Inquirers and welcome to the accurately named podcast, Inquiries of Our Reality. I say that because often in this reality, it seems we are left with more questions than answers. Same with my guest today, pertaining to everything she's experienced. She's never been on a podcast before or told her story in its entirety until now. Maybe today we can shed some more possible theories on her experiences. But before I have her come on, if you guys don't mind taking an extra five seconds to rate the show on Spotify, or taking an extra 30 seconds to review the show on iTunes. I would definitely appreciate it, and I will give you guys a shout-out on the show if I can uh, find your reviews on iTunes. And uh, if you guys know anybody that may enjoy the episode, if you guys don't mind sharing the episode with them, it's a good way to help the show grow. And uh, anything you guys do out there, I definitely appreciate it. And uh, the only way the show is ever going to grow is with your guys' help. So... And if you guys aren't already, uh, come and follow the show on social media if you guys want to get updates on anything going on with the show itself, uh, new episodes, and anything cool going on in my life that I feel the need to share. The one that I'm the most active on is Instagram. And uh, there is a Facebook set up for the page, but everything that's on the Facebook kind of gets just pushed off the Instagram. So if you guys want to interact, uh, the best way to do so, of course, is through the Instagram. If you guys want to interact some more, you guys can always pop onto the Telegram or the Discord and have some awesome conversations with some awesome people. Uh, one of those people actually is today's guest. So if you guys enjoy what she has to say, you like the theories and thoughts that we get into, uh, pop over to the Telegram or the Discord and uh, you can chat it up with her also. And uh, if anybody's interested in being a guest on the show, whether you're a researcher, experiencer, author, contactee, channeler, uh, spiritual person in some way, shape or form, uh, shaman, uh, whatever, any type of open-minded conversation, uh, I'm down to have you on the show. I want to sit down. I want to talk to you. Uh, you guys can shoot me a message on Instagram, of course. Uh, you guys can also email me at inquiries of our reality podcast at outlook.com, or you guys can go to the link tree, fill out this submission form, and that'll go directly to my email. Uh, make sure you guys keep an eye out in your spam or junk folders and make sure that none of my messages get lost because it seems like everything kind of pushes that way, uh, probably because I send so many links out uh, pertaining to the show, to guests and things like that. But but that's another problem for another day, unfortunately. If you guys can't get enough of me and you guys want to check out some other work that I do, uh, I know I mention on every single show, but Bizarre Encounters uh, just gets better and better. So uh, go and check it out if you haven't already. I think you guys will definitely enjoy it if you guys enjoy this show. Uh, And if you guys want to keep tabs on everything that I do, you guys can go and check out Open Minds Media. Uh, There's a Facebook page. There's an Instagram page. uh, There's a bunch of stuff. So if you guys look up Open Minds Media, you guys have probably assumably seen the logo in the bottom corner of the cover art for the shows. Uh, Go and check it out. If you guys want to support the show, there's multiple ways you can support the show, one of which is to become a Patreon member. Uh, There's multiple tiers, of course, uh, so you guys can pop over there, figure out which one suits you the best. Uh, You will get things such as ad-free episodes, uh, early access to episodes, 
Uh, you guys will hopefully get some exclusive content coming in the future. Uh, there is some exclusive content in the aspect of there is lives of each of the episodes, and then there's live replays, which is the video format of each of the episodes, uh, all available over there on the Patreon, like I mentioned. And that's the Open Minds Media Patreon. So you won't just get Increase of Our Reality, you'll also get Bizarre Encounters pertaining to all that stuff too. Um, and if you guys want to donate to the show, you guys can do so through PayPal, Cash App, Venmo, uh, anything you guys want to donate, I definitely appreciate. And if you guys do so, I will give you guys a shout out on the show. Um, you guys can also donate through Red Circle, which is the RSS host for the show. Uh, down at the bottom of the show description, you'll see a little link that says something along the lines of donate on Red Circle. Um, if it gives you an option to leave a personalized message, I would definitely appreciate it because like I said, I definitely want to talk to all you guys. Um, and I'll give you guys a shout out on the show. If you guys want, I can even read it on the show if you guys uh, want to comment something nice. And then the third way you guys can support the show is through the Open Minds Media merch store. And uh, again, I put everything in one place, try to make it a little bit easier. There you'll find increase of our reality merchandise, um, bizarre encounters, bite-sized bizarreties, um, and the Open Minds Media logo if you guys are interested in that. Uh, and if you guys want to support another creator, you guys can go and check out Joe over at Crypto Theology. Um, I know I've mentioned on every single show, but... Uh, He's got some awesome designs all pertaining to cryptids, aliens, paranormal, all that cool stuff. If you guys enjoy this show, I definitely think you guys will enjoy his designs. So I definitely recommend going and checking it out. Everything that I mentioned, all available under the link tree, uh, which is available down in the show description. And with that, let's get into the show. Please welcome to the show, listener and experiencer, Lily Ann. Welcome to the show today. Hey, thanks for having me. It's an absolute pleasure to actually sit down and have a conversation with you. Uh, we've been talking for a while through Discord, through different avenues, about your story that you wanted to share. So it's been like a long time in the coming, in the making, I feel it. It's been a long time in the making. That's the best way, to, I guess, to kind of word it. And uh, I guess you've been listening to the show since the beginning, too. So that's also kind of an interesting thing. So uh, I guess thanks for making the time to come on the show. And it's always awesome to get to talk to somebody who uh, I met, weirdly enough, through being a listener of the show. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool to be on. I've never really told the full story to anybody before. You know, we've talked about it in my family but other than just some tales here and there to friends i never really went through the whole thing so looking forward to it and i see you uh took some time to actually kind of write it down put it in chronological order so uh spent some time trying to get this story all kind of organized to actually present it on a show so i guess uh without further ado uh i, g I give you the floor to uh present your story and uh then we can theorize on your encounters and paranormal experiences Sounds like a plan. So I was born in 1989 and we moved into a house in Voorhees, New Jersey. The first strange occurrence was, it was either when my parents were looking at the house or when they were moving their stuff in. Can't really remember which exactly. Uh, he said, I have a feeling there's someone else living here. And my mom kind of just laughed at him and referenced a movie that was out at the time about people living in the walls <laughs> and just made a joke about it. Was that the Wes Craven one uh, where the people were like in the basement? Is that the one you're referring to? Or like the people from under the stairs or something? 
Yeah, yeah, that one. I think so. Yeah, my mom said something about the stairs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you're still currently living so in this house, then, right? Oh no, 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 no. <laughs> oh. <laughs> now we moved out of there when I was about eight years old. Thank goodness, because things just got crazier the longer we lived there. So and it, it started out pretty mundane. <laughs> they uh, thought the set of setup of the house was kind of weird because in 1989 it wasn't usual to have a crazy security system in your house with like motion sensors in the attic, panic buttons in the master bath and the powder room. And there were weight sensors under the floor in the foyer for where you walk in the front door. Weight sensors? So they, you know, they're, yeah. So if something over like 50 pounds walked on the floor, it would set the alarm off. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So they thought that was kind of weird. Yeah, definitely weird. Also, <laughs> didn't really think, didn't think anything of it. And uh, I guess a couple months in, my mom was home alone with us kids and gets a knock on the door. Uh, two men standing there in your typical men in black uniform introduce themselves of, as the FBI and ask if they know where the previous owners of the house are. And they, you know, they didn't. So she was like, no, me and my husband never had contact with them or anything. And that was that. So the the next strange thing was a couple months after that, my brother was in preschool or kindergarten or something, and my mom put me down for a nap. Short while later, they had this old boombox type radio, and she heard the radio turn on. And she goes into the nursery and the switch was flipped on for the radio. But once again, it was all just kind of weird little stuff that was easy to brush off. She didn't think anything of it. And then they started uh, tearing up the backyard to put in a deck and a pool. And they had this huge dirt pile from excavating the hill. And my parents went out to look at it that evening. My mom looks down at the dirt and goes, is that a scalp? And picks it up. It looked like a black haired scalp. And my dad tried to blow it off and it was like, it's probably a toupee. <laughs> Just rebury it. So I guess that's what they did. <laughs> and uh, while all of the construction was going on, my brother and cousin were upstairs looking out the guest bedroom window into the backyard. And they saw this old lady standing out there holding a cat. So they ran downstairs ran outside nobody was in the yard we had chain link fences surrounding the yard there was no old lady in the backyard but he uh 
for some reason, decided to dig where they saw her standing, got about three foot down and found what looked like newly scattered cat food. And it was integrated. It literally looked like somebody had just thrown it there. And we didn't have cats. We didn't have cat food. You said it, so it was buried three feet down? Yep. And the dirt wasn't like overturned or anything on digging. top? Nope. He just decided to clear the leaves and start digging right where he saw her with the cat. <laughs> A little weird. <laughs> so uh, at about the same time as all of that was happening, and I still remember this, I was uh, sitting at the top of the staircase playing with some toys. And out of my brother's room, I see what looked like, you know those uh, goofy kids' costumes of skeletons where it's like that big black sweater with the bones painted on? Yeah, the really, uh, the really cheesy ones, <laughs> the skeleton body. Yeah, yeah. So I was playing with my toys and out of the corner of my eye, I saw that coming towards me. And it scared me, so I didn't, like, fully look up at it. And I knew my brother didn't have one of those costumes. And I guess it rushed me and pushed me down the stairs. Was it, like, a, like transparent or anything? Or was it just, like, was it, like, a fully, in, like, envisioned form? Or Oh, it was solid. It was fully solid. And my brother was upstairs at the time. So, you know, of course, everybody says, you know, obviously your brother pushed you down the stairs. But I didn't understand why I saw it the way I did. Because it, it, I saw it clearly out of the corner of my eye and it scared me so bad. I'm like, I'm just going to ignore it. So let's see. A while after that, the next... Thing happened where uh, I don't remember this but apparently I, I woke up in the morning and my mom came in like she usually does and I go to her mommy why did you come in and start petting me in the middle of the night like petting my head and she didn't and she knew she or my dad hadn't come into my room so she starts panicking, but obviously doesn't want me to panic. So she just goes, oh, you know, it's, it's because I love you. And I guess I just accept it and go about my day. And meanwhile, my mom goes to my dad and, holy shit, <laughs> our daughter just said I was in her room last night petting her. <laughs> Did you like remember actually seeing her or anything, or was it like uh, like you were like half asleep and you just kind of remember something brushing your head? Um, I don't remember it at all. But apparently, with the way I told it to my mom, I was fully awake and thought it was her. That makes it even creepier. Like something taking the form of somebody that's familiar to you, or just even being able to like in company that feeling instead of giving you like a feeling feeling of fear because i'm assuming that you didn't feel a fear feeling of fear if uh you know you came to your mom and just kind of asked 
the question of like why like it was of course awkward and uncomfortable maybe but you didn't I'm assuming you didn't get like a scared feeling right no no not at all and uh it kept happening where I would mention things like that and they kept trying to brush it off and finally you know it I would lay in my bed at night and my grandma had given me these like porcelain face dolls that were lining my bedside cabinet thing and I would see them blinking and their mouths moving at night which I can still vividly remember. It was one of the creepiest things ever. I just hated those dolls. So those always have that instill, instilled uncanny valley feeling anyways. Even if they're not moving, you just get that weird, creepy, ominous vibe from even seeing like a store full of those things. Yep, and I, I think I had like 15 on my freaking shelves. It was terrible. So finally, I convinced my mom to let me take them down. I'm like, I, I really don't like these things, mom. Can we please just, I think they're haunted. <laughs> and she agreed. Thank goodness, those things. Oh, my God. And then uh, the first of the disappearing objects happened. <laughs> I had this little Easter toy that was a, a chick. And when you put it on your hand, it had these little sensors underneath where it would chirp when it came in contact with skin. And uh, I was playing with it one day and went to look for it and it's gone. Wasn't where I had put it. So more, more things that just kind of got brushed under the rug. And it was after that toy went missing, I started having what I call mini night terrors where I would basically dream of apocalypse type situations and then I would wake up and still feel like this really heavy gross presence in my room and I would yell for my mom and it happened pretty regularly for quite a long time in that house did you ever end up uh, getting like sleep paralysis or anything connected with it by chance? Oh yeah. See, cause at least like my theory when it comes to sleep paralysis, it almost feels like, uh, I don't know, like your, your subconscious is like, or your consciousness is leaving your body. And when you are coming back in, it's almost like a computer rebooting that it needs time to kind of just like collect back into the system. So just knowing that there's like an ominous dark thing around you, knowing that, you know, you may have consciously been away from your body just makes you wonder what like their intentions are in watching your body. And I mean, you never really hear about, you know, anybody has like shadow people experiences or anything with uh, sleep paralysis of anything ever like coming into their bodies necessarily, but assumably there's still something to it. And even if there's some type of like energetic vampires, um, even if they're just sitting around and you're coming back in and you're in that fear state of not being able to move, I mean, they could potentially just be sitting there just to try to collect a quick free meal real quick, knowing that they can't do anything else theoretically. But again, there's still that, that level of fear, even though it's for a short amount of time, assumably it's like jacked up on energy. 
Yeah, I definitely agree. I think uh, there's definitely something to the fear vampire aspect of it. I think it's like when you chum sharks, you throw blood in the water and the sharks come and they eat whatever's causing the blood or what else is attracted by the blood. And it, I think it's in the spiritual way the same where the fear is like the blood and it attracts things so they can feed on that. Kind of makes you wonder too what their like end game of actually like food may be. I mean, depending on like what these beings are, because all we can necessarily do, all we can really do is like theorize about it. But I mean, the whole idea of like potentially like collecting souls seems like that may be like the end all to that possible scenario. Yeah, my dad used to get the uh, sleep paralysis as well, and he said when he woke up, he thought it was the presence of Satan. So, if Satan's out there trying to collect souls, you never know. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, there was a... I forgot what the name of the painting is, but it's at the Detroit Institute of Arts. But it's like one of the... It's the the classic sleep paralysis painting where it's like a woman laying there with like a demon sitting on her chest and like the creepy horse that's like standing off in the background. So, I mean, just from like the dawn of its existence and just... That again, that fear state of assumably is gonna no matter what in anybody's head for the most part gonna shoot into just like a dark presence or dark being something holding them back from being able to come into that, and especially back in the day when people were more based in like Christian religions and they were viewing it from that point is definitely more of like a demonic presence. Where now, like it's still dark, of course, but just having like a different mindset on things and like it kind of a different idea of like the whole spiritual world, it almost kind of takes on other possible scenarios and it isn't just assumably demon related like assumably it's dark but now it's again not demons like they, it could be some other interdimensional thing could be something like again linked with like spirituality and the aspect of like leaving your vessel so to speak but again shrouded with mystery and always fun to talk about <laughs> yep that's for sure and uh at some point after the nightmares i i started calling this ghost by name or I would wake up in the morning and tell my mom, Miriam Kane came to visit me. And my dad thought I was saying Aunt Mary Jane, because I guess I had a family member by that name. I don't even remember meeting the person, honestly. So my mom was like, Melissa, do you mean Aunt Mary Jane? And I would say, no, Miriam Kane. So that's what we started referring her as. And I started not only having her come visit me in my sleep, like in my room, but I started dreaming about her. We lived in New Jersey at the time. I had never been outside of New Jersey, except for maybe Disneyland. And uh, I would always have dreams about this lady in the desert where it looked like these old-timey wood shacks with tumbleweeds rolling by. And I don't remember most of the dreams. I know in a lot of them we just talked, but I don't remember what about. But there was this really strange one where I woke up in my house in this town, opened the door, went across the street to her house, knocked on the door, door swung open. She answered it with her hands behind her back. And I go, 
hey, is everything okay? And she swings this axe from behind her and raises it up over her head. I get ready to bolt, and she starts just laughing her ass off and goes, I'm just kidding. I'd never hurt you. Is this by chance the same woman that your dad saw holding the cat? Cat? Oh, that was my brother, and yeah, we assume it was. Yep. So I had a feeling that there's something dark to her where I'm already kind of getting the intention of it may not have just been like a normal death. Like, I feel like she was involved in some form of like witchcraft or something else that's like she's she personally, I feel like, connected herself to that area. Like, it seems just more conscious than just like a typical haunting. Well... We can kind of get into the theories at the end, but one of my thoughts was the person the FBI was looking for when we moved in was connected with the mob. So who knows what happened in that house? Excuse me. So uh, after having all those strange dreams and whatnot, the second thing goes missing my dad had brought back this little brass totem pole from Canada that had all these different little animal heads on it and wings. And it was this really cute little, I think it was for like a keychain. And he always had it sitting on his dresser next to his little lamp by his bedside. He came home one day and asked my mom, hey, did you clean my room today? And she goes, no, why? And he says, my totem pole's missing. They tear the place apart and no totem pole. That Christmas, my mom goes up into the attic to take out all of the decorations. And the tablecloths that she really liked was just also missing out of the box in the attic that nobody went in ever. Hopefully I'm not jumping too far into it, but uh, were any of these items ever found again? Like even the first one that you mentioned, are they just infinitely gone at this point? To this day, none of them have been found. No, all of the things that went missing, she kept, I guess she was a klepto and an ornery old thing. Who knows? I feel like, not to sound weird, but I mean, the cat food was buried in the yard. Like, I'm almost curious if you just started digging in the yard, if you'd start finding random items three feet down. (laughs) Yeah, we probably should have tried that in a couple spots. (laughs) Saying if you keep digging, I mean, if everything does happen to be three feet down, take that as a clue that maybe, you know... She's trying to give you guys a message that she's three feet down somewhere, especially if there's like a mob relation connection to this house. Oh, man. I could just imagine her being three feet under that basement floor because that place is creepy in there. (laughs) (laughs) So after Christmas, at at some point, uh, my, my dad had asked if my mom went up into the attic that day. And she goes, no, why? Apparently the pull string in their closet was moved and some of the insulation was sticking out. And me and my brother never went in their bedroom, so I I doubt it was him and I know it wasn't me. So things are 
moving around in the house they also live in, apparently. But my dad at this point is still just absolutely refusing to believe that anything weird is going on. It's all just a coincidence. Yeah. Just a uh, question about your dad, too. Did did he have any type of like uh, like religious background or anything at this point in the story, or is he one of those just like doesn't necessarily believe in like anything type of people? He was raised very uh, Eastern Orthodox Christian. So the ignore it because it, and it won't exist kind of kind of mentality then. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, <laughs> but. He was, uh, he's definitely connected into some stuff that I think he acts like he's not because of that upbringing. Like, for example, not only the weird thing about moving in and saying somebody else was there, but my brother was a little hellion and decided to rake a whole bunch of leaves in our backyard in the woods into a pile with his friend and light it on fire. (laughs) <laughs> so the moment they decide to do that, <laughs> I go, oh, shit, this is a bad idea. And I don't want to be anywhere around it. And I start thinking to myself, man, my dad really needs to come home and kick this boy's ass. And mind you, I'm five years younger than him. So I think I was like maybe six and he was like 11, maybe at the most. So I run downstairs into the house and sit there and start doing my homework and not five minutes later, my dad comes walking in the door, looks at me, sitting at, my, at the table doing my homework, and goes, where's your brother? I just point to the backyard, and he sees a little uh, pillar of smoke starting to come up, and audios. <laughs> Perfect timing. Can't trust a uh, 10 or 11-year-old boy with a lighter, because if there's anything that can be caught on fire, it will be caught on fire. <laughs> talking from personal experience (laughs) and it was almost the entire backyard so i i still to this day i'm like i think he felt that somehow that i was freaked and calling him home but he'll never admit to it i don't think it's kind of funny sometimes that there's a lot of people that seem to have religious backgrounds and yet when it comes to any type of like weird phenomenon happening around them, they're always like the top ones that seem to ignore it, even though their whole like faith system is kind of based around that. You think they'd be one of the first people to kind of at least accept the idea and kind of try to figure it out before they totally like throw it out the window. Um, of course, you know, any, anybody in any logical speaking person is going to want to go through all of the most logical explanations of what's happening first before they instantly jump to it's a haunting or something paranormal. But still, like with the religious background, you'd assume that it would still be in the back of your head that that is a possibility. So, like, don't completely just cast it out. Yeah, the, the Bible's pretty paranormal. So, you know, no, I guess he just didn't want to admit it to himself. Maybe it scared him. Who knows? Sometimes I wonder if those people maybe understand the spiritual more than we give them credit for. And rather than feeding it energy, they know full well what they're doing by ignoring it is taking power away from it. That's true. So, uh, my parents kept doing more renovations. And, of course, things kept picking up and getting worse. And uh, they started doing work on the staircase. 
and around that time, I think, I'm pretty sure it was almost completed. And my parents called me for dinner. And the way the house was set up, you could get to the kitchen from the staircase if you walk around the foyer to the dining room to the kitchen. Or you could go from the staircase and make a half circle the other direction through the family room to the kitchen. And usually I would go that way because for some reason the foyer just gave me the creeps. But for some reason that night I decided I need to be brave. So I went the foyer route. <laughs> and I got about halfway through and was so scared that I basically just got paralyzed. And I looked up towards the staircase and I think this was the first time I saw anything with my third eye because it didn't look physical. And at the time, I knew it didn't look the way Miriam Kane did when I saw her. So I think I was seeing this ghost with my third eye and it was it looked like it was like superimposed on top of the construction bit of the staircase and it was this weird creepy old man that was all hunched over walking towards our bedrooms and i freaked out i took off running into the kitchen latched onto my mom and was apparently just sheet white and terrified. Did you get the impression that this was a totally different being or spirit? Or do you think that it could potentially be that woman? Or not even necessarily that that woman was that woman, but this may have been with the true form of what that woman was, and he was just kind of presenting himself as that woman. I think it was something else. I think there was multiple things in that house. It, it definitely didn't seem like the same thing. Because I, I never got any negative impression from the female ghost. And I've continued to this day to have experiences with her. And I don't feel that negative shit anymore. So I'm assuming it stayed there. <laughs> That makes you kind of wonder, too, if there was anything really, like, bad about the woman in the first place or if it's just a sense of misunderstanding because, I mean, a lot of the time when it comes to this paranormal stuff, more often than not, um, if people kind of come at it from the aspect of it being, like, a spirit that's, like, stuck here, um, you know, they're, not, they're just trying to make communication so that they can potentially move on to the next thing. And it really takes, like, a tortured soul to really want to sit here and skew in it and just, like, be evil. Or even just like on another aspect of things too, uh, you want to get into like different interdimensional concepts. Um, if you believe in like potential time slips, there could almost be like an in-between zone where you get stuck in between two different like timelines. And then maybe you kind of are like half absorbed into each. So in turn, if there is anybody you can communicate with, it's almost like being in purgatory or you latch on to anybody you can communicate with because who knows when the hell you might find another person you can actually connect with might be. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, who knows? Um, my my mom thinks that she's a guardian angel of me. 
So, who knows? I don't know if we'll ever know, but it's definitely been an interesting ride. <laughs> and uh, to get back to the craziness, uh, after my parents had done the staircase, they started on the fireplace. And my grandma would come over pretty often and stay with us so that, you know, my mom could get some housework done and whatnot while my dad was working. And she was staying with us for, for a time. And uh, there, my grandma and my mom were downstairs doing stuff. And my mom goes upstairs to, I think she was doing laundry. And the phone rings. So she goes and sits down on her bed and to her left is the hallway that leads to the other bedrooms. So she's sitting there chatting away on the phone and she catches out of the corner of her, her eye what looks like my grandma walking down the hallway towards the guest room that she stayed in. My mom kind of thought to herself, why is she walking so weird? Oh, maybe she's trying to walk quietly so she doesn't disturb me on the phone. She turns back forward and keeps chatting for a while. Hangs up, goes downstairs and sees my grandma sitting on the couch wearing something different. And she goes, oh, do you want me to adjust the thermostat? Did you get cold? My grandma looks at her and she goes, what are you talking about? I'm, I'm okay. And my mom goes, well, you went upstairs and you changed. And my grandma looks at her and she goes, Anne, I haven't moved from this spot all morning. See, when I hear stuff like that, there's either two ways you can go with it. Either one, there's some type of like weird presence that's able to take the form of other people that are still existing, which is a weird phenomenon, but I've heard it multiple times now. So it's not that weird now, or maybe it's starting to become something that more people are becoming more aware of. Or the other thing that my mind honestly goes to more than that is the whole idea of time slips where, you know, you hear a bunch of these stories where somebody will see a ghost up on the stairs uh, while they're sitting on the couch. And then a couple of years later, they'll see a ghost while they're on the stairs sitting on the couch. And it's just like these weird loops that like just, just for the sake of the argument too, was it an outfit that uh, your grandma was that she actually owned or was it like an outfit that was just out of nowhere like didn't make sense nothing that she owned uh, she said she just remembered that it was like a, a pastel colored sweater with big flowers on it and I guess it wasn't too unusual for something for my grandma to wear but it like it didn't stand out one way or the other See, I still kind of resort back to time slips because, uh, I don't know, I feel like the universe is a lot more vast than we, we give it credit for. And uh, as far as like the interdimensional concepts go, I think we're only starting to scratch the surface on it. But a lot of weird phenomenon can be explained by just irregularities in, in the timeline or converging yeah, timelines. Yeah, and Miriam is an old-timey name, you know, that's not something that you hear very often. So that would make sense with the time slip. 
So, I mean, like, it, it depends on how drastic they are, too, because, I mean, some of these time slips could only be, you know, a couple days apart, and then sometimes these time slips could be centuries apart, and then, I mean, even other times, you know, if you live in the house your whole life, you know, you could have an experience when you're a kid, you can have an experience when you're in your 40s, and, you know, you could be seeing two opposite sides of the same phenomenon, um, all kind of depending on, again, the whole concept of time is such an abstract, weird thing that... I feel like is just potential as it is for something to be five minutes apart. It's just as potential for it to be centuries apart because who knows where that differentiating line is to really determine like how far back that distance is. Cause we're just looking at it from like a number standpoint, but like on a timeline or in an interdimensional standpoint, you know, it could be closer from to a century ago than it is from five minutes ago, depending on like which way everything happens to be constructed. Yeah, I could jump all over the place. And it's the same with this next note that I have is uh, the doors just randomly being shut upstairs. We would just come upstairs and one or two of the four or five doors that we had up there would be shut. Nobody would... Usually we would leave the doors open when we leave rooms and go into rooms. So, you know, that could have been people from any time frame living there opening and shutting doors was it regularly like but the same then, doors or was it uh we would kind of interchange between the five just random just random just totally random because sometimes you get into that whole like residual idea where you know if there was somebody that maybe like frequently went in and out of a specific door and always closed it behind them that it could be like a residual thing that echoes through time because it's been done so many times in that one specific location yeah, that could be. However, <laughs> this next story about the doors, I have a feeling this was pretty intentional. <laughs> it seemed like a message. So we're all sitting together eating dinner one night downstairs. And uh, we're talking about the paranormal stuff like we do sometimes. My dad goes, he says something along the lines of, ah, you know, I'll believe it when something happens to me or I'll believe it when something happens when I'm here. He no longer, no sooner finishes that sentence. We hear these just huge booms coming from upstairs. And my parents look at each other like they both shit their pants at the same time. <laughs> so we, <laughs> we all get up and, all four of us run upstairs and every single door up there was slammed shut. No windows were open, no laundry machine or dryer was on, there were no drafts, and these were like solid wood doors, all slammed. It's almost like testing something's patience on the other side when you say things like that, because it seems like every single time somebody says, oh yeah it's not gonna happen till it happens to me then boom that's always when it happens like all right that's almost like putting a beacon on yourself and just calling for it <laughs> yeah and he meant it and then she was like well here you go i mean it too then you asshole i'm here <laughs> you said it when you moved in and now you deny it like what's wrong with you sir <laughs> Like I said, maybe he had more uh, more thought into it than you guys gave him credit for, where he didn't actually ever say it out loud, but he wasn't trying to give power to it. Yeah, that it's that's very possible. 
or just sneaky, always like playing that that, uh, <laughs> that dad role where no matter how much you may believe in it or know what the hell is going on, you just you know ah oh, no it's all good it's all fine you just play that game for your kids. It could go either way with that, yeah. <laughs> Until shit hits the fan, then you can't deny it, <laughs> and then you're just like, well, fuck. <laughs> Yeah, when all of a sudden you test it and it slams the door in your face, quite literally. <laughs> and uh, so the the very first time I remember actually, like still to this day, remember seeing Miriam Kane was uh, her family dog had passed and I was super torn up about it. He was totally my buddy he was there from before i was born and uh i was lying in bed one night something woke me up in the middle of the night and i shot straight up in bed looking towards my feet at the far wall and there in front of my desk is this ghost of Miriam kane kneeling down with her left arm around my dog who was also very clearly a ghost they were it looked like solid mist and it scared the absolute crap out of me but you know i was a little kid seeing ghosts in my bedroom so i immediately flung back over and threw the covers over my head and just kind of froze there for the rest of the night and then you said uh, that you're, you saw your dog there too. Was this like a like a family dog that had recently passed away, or like one that was from like a while back? Like what, when when was this family dog around? I I think he had only been passed away for a couple months because I was still pretty upset about it. And uh, when I told my mom in the morning, she was like, you know, it, it's okay. Maryam Kane was just trying to tell you that he's safe now and he's okay it didn't make me feel better but <laughs> i mean i've talked about right. it on a bizarre encounters a few times with uh Oren, but this whole idea about the land being conscious rather than like these spirits being conscious and i often wonder if you know if the land itself is conscious, if it could almost like take and replay images that have happened on it. So rather than you actually seeing your dog or this specific person, it was like the consciousness of that area of that land was almost just like replaying images of them. And then that being said, also, if there's a consciousness to that, assumably maybe it can attach and move itself to other places once it gets like enough when it gets close enough with somebody and maybe it could potentially move on to other places. Um, I mean, that may be where the connection still is to you. Or again, maybe the land is almost like a start where there is a consciousness to the land or, you know, it's a thinning of the veil is another kind of way of looking at it potentially where that's kind of like an entry point and then from there they can grab onto other things and kind of move on elsewhere. But like I said, from the paranormal stuff, I like to come at it from multiple angles and, uh, for as far as like your dog goes, the whole consciousness of the land makes sense. But as far as the woman still following you, um, that's kind of where it kind of deters away from like kind of my idea of it with the whole consciousness of land. Yeah, that whole house gives you a whole bunch of mixed signals when you're trying to figure out what exactly was going on there. I almost feel like I wonder if it was like some sort of 
portal or a heightened energy area. Something like ley lines, maybe. I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, I've even talked about this whole idea of there being essentially like microscopic like wormholes that's almost like a network that kind of flows intermittently between the dimensions and almost like imagine it like, uh, you know, if you had a room and then a wall and then a room, but in that wall in between, there's still all the wiring and everything that kind of moves around outside to connect everything that's happening within the, those rooms. That's almost kind of like how these microscopic wormholes could work. And you would have no idea that they're even in this area because they're microscopic. But once you walk through them or open them, then that's when this portal or like time slip kind of happens. But assumably there's still going to be energy kind of pushing both ways out um, from both sides. So in turn, other weird phenomenon and other weird things kind of get pushed through it. And I've even talked about, imagine it almost like a these networks could potentially work like a flow of water where if you just hop into them, you never know where you might end up going because you're just kind of going to follow the flow wherever that water happens to be moving to. But uh, if you're potentially something that was a little bit more like a higher powered being or, you know, something that has some type of vessel or ship or something, then you can almost like navigate through these, through these waters to be able to figure out what entrance of or exit of these, this wormhole network you want to come in and out of. But I mean, these little microscopic entrances could be almost anywhere, and assumably, again, there's going to be a weird residual phenomenon that's happening around it also. I think that would probably make the most sense with everything that was happening, especially with, like, uh, the missing objects never being seen again, and the things that just didn't really make a whole lot of sense with everything else, you know? That, that very well could be. And maybe Miriam Kane popped out one of those and just decided to latch on to me. <laughs> like I said, if she walked out uh, or she was somehow like almost like inside the wall, so to speak, but you couldn't, you're not really in either reality. You're kind of in between both. But again, some people can potentially see you. you're going to latch on to whoever can potentially see you because, I mean, she could have been somebody that accidentally walked through a time slip and those items that you um, randomly went missing, they could have fallen and they might appear at another point in time so to speak too like it'd be funny if the current owners of the house randomly find a duck one day that they heard fall on the floor or something you know right where did this come from where they share like a ting fall down the stairs and there's like a little totem pole or suddenly their table has a full-on christmas tablecloth laid out on it for no apparent reason yeah (laughs) You never know. <laughs> this reality is strange, as you say. Mm-hmm. And what's even stranger is, I guess, it must have been me interacting with her more, I think, is probably what started getting her to attach to me. Because all of a sudden, I started feeling her petting me while I was at school. And I would come home and tell my mom about it. And I guess she was just getting progressively more freaked out. Like, why is this thing now actually following my daughter? And. Uh, I mean, depending on what these things intentions are too, if they need to latch on to something in order to be able to fully manifest or come out of this, like thinning in the veil, uh, you know, not, there's two ways to go about things. Either you can instill that fear and become attached through that means or you kill them with kindness and 
who knows what your true intentions are, but, you know, you play the nice card and then people will intentionally let themselves attach, will let you become attached to them, and you aren't going to do anything to fight them off. So, again, it's two methods to kind of doing the same thing. Yep. And I guess this is, yeah, this is the, the last thing that disappeared. So it's kind of funny because if it was a ghost stealing things, she stole something from everybody except for my dad. Because <laughs> he's the one that didn't believe. believe <laughs> <laughs> yep. So what happened was, uh, I, I think my brother was at a friend's house and a water main in the front yard broke. So my dad's friend came over to help him work on it. And, you know, they were in and out the front door and in the kitchen. And I was playing between the kitchen and the living room. My grandma had been laying on the couch in the living room reading a book. At some point, she closed her book, laid it on her stomach, took off her glasses, laid them on her chest, folded her hands, and fell asleep, like she would usually do when she's reading and decides to nap. So this whole time, you know, there's some a little bit of commotion in and out of the house, and I'm doing my thing, and all of a sudden my grandma wakes up and starts doing these weird hand motions over her eyes to my mom and she's in the kitchen talking with her friend and my my dad and she goes hold on guys hold on what's wrong my grandma goes well my glasses are gone i can't find them so they're like oh okay come over to the couch look under the couch look behind the couch huh this is weird so then they fully tear apart the couch fully pick up and move the couch and the glasses are just gone glasses in my opinion are one of the worst things to lose especially if you're the person that lost them because unless you're somebody with glasses that fear of trying to find something to help you see when you can't see is like one of the fucking worst like <laughs> Yeah, and, and she loved reading, and she would wear them to read, so, you know, she was a little extra salty about that one. <laughs> Actually, off of that, now it's kind of ringing a different bell in my mind, almost like a, like a trickster being, because if they're intentionally making things disappear, they're slamming doors every single time, you know, just to, just to mess with you guys, like, just off of you saying the glasses disappearing, now I'm really getting thick thick vibes of there being some type of trickster being and that also fits and in with the playing know, nice card to be able to get attached to you <laughs> but it's also kind of funny because that's my kind of humor like i i get a kick out of hearing these stories that you know she was stealing stuff and slamming doors at people i'm like that's freaking hilarious that's my kind of gal <laughs> So I'm like, of course, my my spirit attachment's going to be super honorary and kind of naughty and not very great all the time. See, now I'm kind of wondering if maybe that thinning was actually a thinning area to something that belonged to the Fae 
And, uh, you know, the Fae <laughs> seems seems very likely of them to just be playing tricks on people and get mad over, like, slamming the door specifically because when it comes to the Fae, uh, it's very easy to offend them just because their whole mentality of things is completely different than ours and something as simple as, like, oh, yeah, I don't believe in that, and then all the door slamming shut could potentially be, you know, offending something that belongs to the Fae. Like, now, honestly, my mind now is just switched to trickster to some to form of a trickster being. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's kind of funny because not only that, but I <laughs> I have this little lunchbox that I got in an abandoned house here in Arizona, and my mom calls it the creepy lunchbox, and she has never liked it. And one day when her and my friend were here cooking dinner before I got home. Something threw it at her <laughs> from the top shelf in my kitchen. Some tricksters. So we still blame it on Miriam. We still blame it on Miriam Kane. It's like she's still around. She's still being honorary and messing with people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so catching up on my notes. Uh, that that was pretty much all that happened for us in that house. The the only thing we know about after we moved out was shortly after the new owners moved in, pipes in the basement burst and the entire basement flooded. <laughs> Still sounds like a trickster. A very random occurrence. Because, <laughs> I mean, their sense of humor is completely different than ours, so them flooding out of basements probably fucking hilarious to them, but to the average person, not so much. <laughs> Haha, ha, I'm going to, to Florida. Here, you guys have some water, too. I'm going to burst your pipes on my way out. <laughs> you can actually see into the Fae, and there's like uh, some type of trickster being just floating around on a little uh, floaty raft down in the basement, just kicked back, drinking a drink. <laughs> just laughing its ass off. <laughs> yup, <laughs> yup. Yep. I, I could definitely see that. And, you know, the, I guess the... The next creepy experience would also tie into your theory about the Fae and the tricksters. So we were living in the first house that we moved into in Florida. And we we're, once again, a creepy dinner time experience. I was sitting there looking out back and we had a screened in porch with a pool and these two big green bushes on either side of the patio. And I'm watching this big, round, black mass shoot back and forth, back and forth between those bushes. And every time it went into a bush, it completely disappeared, but the bush didn't move. And after watching this for a while, finally, I was like, you know, maybe this isn't one of those things that only I can see. So let's see if they can see it. And I asked my mom, I was like, what is that? And everybody looked out the window and it did it one more time and everyone saw it. <laughs> and once again, we all kind of looked at each other like we pooped our pants at the same time, ran outside, nothing there. Sid, it always brings just like another weird sense when it actually, you can get it to do it just that one more time. <laughs> 
Yeah, I was I was so surprised. I was like, they're probably not going to be able to see it or it's going to stop as soon as they look. And it, I said it right at the exact time it shot out of there and disappeared. And we all just went, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, you mentioned that she still follows you and is still, like, attached to you. Like, how does she interact with you now? Like, what... Is she still messing with you, or like, what, what, what does she do now that, that you like know that she's still around? Yeah, she's uh, moved things in front of me. Uh, I saw her in the backyard of this house once, and this might be a little bit of a long story to get into, but part of the reason why my mom thinks that she might be my guardian angel is because I had a suicide attempt while incarcerated that all logic says I should have survived. And my mom thinks that it was Miriam Kane that did that. Without getting, uh, of course, too much into detail, because that's, of course, like a very personal thing. Um, like, how how did she, she like, det- deteriorate again without, like, giving too much detail away, of course? Oh, we can do all the detail. It's good. Um, so I was on a whole lot of methadone trying to get clean off of heroin, got arrested for stealing, and was going through some pretty massive withdrawals. So I hadn't slept for multiple days on end, saw that the night guard that I liked was working, and told her, you know, I was seriously considering committing suicide because I couldn't sleep. So they, after a little while, sent me down to the nurse's office and jailhouse nurse was basically like, you're fine, go back upstairs and get some sleep. So what I did instead was I went back upstairs, I took my flimsy little shit bed sheet that they give you, Tied it into a noose around my neck. And on the back wall above the toilet, there is these little fire extinguisher pipes that came out of the wall. And it was supposed to be a flat plate connected to a pipe that laid against the wall. But mine had been pulled out a little bit. So I took the far end of this noose that I had made and tore some holes and doubled the sheet and tore some more holes. So it was quite a few sheets with holes in it so it wouldn't rip out. And I climbed up on the toilet, put that over the pipe, stepped down off of the toilet. And the last thing I remember seeing consciously was that the entire room went purple. And I thought, huh, well, that's weird. And this is where I said it it might get into a a very much longer conversation because I, I went somewhere and, uh, it was this large black expansive area and it felt like I was floating. And I started realizing that there was all these voices, just endless voices talking to me. 
And as I realized that, I realized that those voices were also points of light that I could see. And the darkness became a star field, basically, with all these voices talking to me in this very strange, melodic language that I could understand at the time. And I felt like I was agreeing to something. And I, I, I just felt absolute comfort and agreement. The next thing I know, I feel like I'm almost like I'm swimming with my hands pushing out in front of me. And then I realize I'm trying to sit up, but I'm slipping. And I, I, could, I couldn't see anything. Everything was black. And I, I knew I had my eyes open and I thought, well, this is really strange. And I kept trying to push myself up and kind of like bring myself to. And as my vision came in, I realized I was slipping because I was trying to push myself up from a pool of blood. And I guess on my way down, there was this uh, concrete table and bench that came out of the wall. And I had smashed the bridge of my nose on the corner of that bench and shattered it. Ooh. And it was, uh, yeah. So I was obviously in shock. I don't know how long I was out. I realized later that I had peed. So I was apparently pretty far gone. So anyway, I, being in shock, my first thought was, oh my God, look at all this blood. I'm going to get in trouble. <laughs> so I jump up and I start hitting the call button to call the guard. And he goes, what do you want, Miss Hamer? And I go, there's blood everywhere. She goes, okay, honey, just sit down. We'll be there in a second. It's okay. So I sit down. I'm waiting for the people to come in. And I realize I still have this noose on my neck. I'm like, well, I better take this off. So I'm taking it off and I'm like, oh shit, did I break the pipe? And I turn around and look and it looks exactly like it did before. The little plate and the pipe is still up there on the wall. So as I'm taking the thing off from my neck, I'm also looking down, messing with the other end and I pick it up where I had looped it over the pipe and it hadn't ripped out. It was still exactly like I it was when I put it over that plate. So I have no idea how I came down off that wall, but it does not make any logic sense. Say, I almost wonder if you said that you were agreeing to something when you're on that other side and you get into the whole idea about people having life paths or certain things that they're supposed to accomplish in their life and it's needed for time and for existence to happen. And I almost kind of, I mean, it could be linked to her potentially being like your guardian angel, but again, I get more of like a trickster vibe from her. But in this specific scenario, I feel like the universe itself like wasn't letting that happen because there was a purpose that you're supposed to be here for. And it's almost like it's hard. I mean, you know what I'm talking about as far as like psychedelic kind of like mindset goes, but it's really hard to describe to people that 
don't understand it. Um, but when you're, <clears throat> when you have like these near death experiences, like you'll have all this like information that comes in almost like a psychedelic trip where it's such intense information that you can't necessarily perceive it. So in that time when it's happening, you feel like you're full of well perceiving it, but then as soon as you are outside of it, it's almost like you, your brain isn't capable of like collecting half of what happens. Almost like uh, when you first wake up from a dream and you full blown remember every single detail, and then as you kind of get up and start moving, it all kind of just fades away like sand in the palm of your hand. It's kind of like the same thing with like these scenarios. And I feel like when you were on that other side, whatever the thing was that you agreed to. Like you full well know and remember exactly what you agreed to and you know what your purpose of what you're supposed to do is subconsciously, but for that to happen and be part of like your life path, like you can't know it in like your, your foreconscious, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely to all of that. And, uh, it's kind of weird cause me and my mom kind of got into this yesterday when I was going over the timeline with her. And I said, you know, it it kind of freaks me out because I've had all of these weird little premonition dreams all my life. And it's taken years and I'm still unpacking what happened in that jail cell. But I feel like I haven't, part of it is that I, I feel like I haven't experienced what I came here to. And then I look back on those apocalyptic dreams I had when I was a kid and I, I got to wonder am I here to see something like that? Like God, well, God pray that we, you know, we don't have that kind of apocalypse cause it was, it was bad, but it would be an experience. I always wonder too, if it has something to do with like the mind itself, that some people's minds just go into places that the average person doesn't go as far as like theories, concepts, and just like the things that they can really dig into without becoming uncomfortable or almost essentially going crazy from it. And it's needed for us as a human, as humans, as a species to progress, like the mind needs to also progress. And that's kind of like the state that we're in. So if somebody has a mind that's different than the average person's mind, as far as again, like being able to think of like abstract theories that the average person isn't capable of, if there is some type of like big enlightenment coming or big like movement happening, as far as like the frequency of like consciousness, like rising, um, you know, if there is something on the other side that's conscious, assumably it's going to protect anybody that falls into that criteria of being, you know, the, the, the mind that's needed to continue progressing because it's not going to be like a instant overnight. All of a sudden, everybody's able to do this. It's going to be one of those things where it's like an adaptation that certain people have it. And then because of that, that's that special gene, that's that special thing. And when they reproduce, it's going to continue on in the future. Or even just the idea of like it being seen as like a seed as far as like instilling it into the next generation where, you know, these concepts are very hard for the average person to understand. But if you have your kid that your entire life, you're kind of like expanding their mind into these concepts, then again, you're kind of helping to progress the further generation. And then assumably they'll do it to the same with their kids and their kids. And then who knows where we might be 10 generations now, as far as like what the human mind is capable of contemplating and understanding. Yeah, definitely. And you know, I'm, I'm pretty aware now it took years, but now I'm pretty aware that, you know, part of, 
what I was agreeing to and what I realized was that I was supposed to break the cycle of addiction. Because uh, one of the things that happened was after I hung myself and had that experience, when I finally was able to start sleeping like a week or two later, I would start having these really vivid, crazy dreams. And it, it took a very long time to click. But one of those dreams was I was an addict and I was breaking into this like mansion type place with a couple other people and we were looting it and nobody was supposed to be home but somebody was and we all ran out and I heard shots fired I felt two shots in my back laid down on the grass and I remember in my dream dying well like I said, it took years to click, but finally I realized I was born with a birthmark on that shoulder that looked like a big old blood blister. So I think that was just a scar from a past life and probably something to help me realize, you know, you need to be on a different path, woman. It's kind of funny you mentioned that because I've always kind of <clears throat> contemplated the whole idea with scars being linked to past lives because it seems like people's most <clears throat> defining scars are in locations where are like prime death locations I guess you could say like I have this like birthmark that's right above my heart and it's like a big white pigment patch my daughter has this birthmark that's like straight down on the back of her neck which would be like the place where you would like stab somebody in the back of the neck like it's just kind of weird that all these defining birthmarks all just are in very suspicious locations and if you start digging into past lives and start doing past life regression I feel like there's a lot of people that might be able to connect those scars with things that have happened in their past life and maybe it may not have been necessarily the death blow but still like very defining moments in that past life where it was su such a defining moment that we talk about like in the paranormal how something can be so traumatic that it can echo through time and through dimensions um, maybe the same could be said for like a vessel or like a person that, you know, may not, may not be this physical vessel, but assumably we're some type of like consciousness or vessel or like being that's inside of this vessel. And if something traumatic enough happens that it penetrates that consciousness itself, it may leave a scar on the consciousness. So in turn, any vessel that it takes form in in the future is still going to have that spot, like I said, the same kind of way as like a, like a residual haunting almost works, or where it's, again, a traumatic thing that happens in one location that's so traumatic that it just echoes through all dimensions. So it's really funny you say that, because one of the other very strange stories that I have written down was years later in Florida, this was when I was in high school, so it was probably 2002 to 2004, maybe. I had come home from school and I was walking towards my kitchen because I had come home and smoked some weed, had munchies, go get a snack, walk up to the fridge, go to grab it. And as I'm walking forward, reaching forward, I get this searing hot pain across my right forearm. And it was so bad, I jerked it back to my body and grabbed it. After a couple seconds, I looked down and I had what looked like two bright red new scar wounds 
across my forearm and I still have them to this day. And that was almost 20 years ago. <laughs> and it just, it just kind of like randomly happened while you were doing something like it had no connection to it. See, this bounces into another theory yep. that I've talked about where if you exist in multiple dimensions all at the same time, is that consciousness the same through all of them where it's almost like your consciousness is split through multiple dimensions or you can almost look at it as like take a stack of papers and you're existing in all of those dimensions all at once but like your consciousness is almost like shining a light or like sticking like a like a pen straight through all those pieces of paper that it still connects through all of the dimensions and again getting into that residual thing that if something's so traumatic that it happens in one it echoes through all of them it's it fits kind of the theory that I've been kind of contemplating in my head for a while as far as like this whole connection with interdimensional being interdimensional and being some type of like conscious being that's more than just a vessel that it, it it's not like we die and we just ex extend out of this vessel but we're existing in multiple places all at once and that being said getting even more woo woo with it we talk about all of these like past lives that we've had maybe they're not past lives maybe they're again multiple times multiple things that are all happening at the same time and the reason why you have these visions of these past lives isn't because it's a replay of something that's happened in your past but it's because it's something that's happening right now to you in that other version of your consciousness that's happening simultaneously yep sorry hitting you with the deep theories time <laughs> time is a weird thing <laughs> no no it's all good <laughs> Yeah, time time is a strange, strange thing. Uh, there was something you you were talking about before that I was I was gonna make a point on, but oh yeah, so um, with the dimensional wormhole thing, I I know I've recommended it to you before, but I'll recommend to all your listeners too um, to read Seth Speaks by Jane Roberts, and in it Seth says there are no closed systems. So, you know, everything is accessible from everywhere. There are no closed systems. The more and more that I dig into things, I full well believe that, again, if you want to believe that dimensions exist next to each other, assumably there's still going to be something in between, and it may not be exactly how I envision it, but assumably there is going to be some type of, like, connecting network. Almost, like I said, the best way to describe it would be, like, electrical wiring working within a wall that is helping to make everything function within that room, but it's not in the room. It's just outside of the room, but it's not in the room next to it either. It's, it's in that in-between state, and it's just, like, the opportunity for things to be able to flow and connect and charge in. And, I mean, it can almost be viewed almost too possibly almost like a mycelium network that maybe this network could potentially also be how things are able to communicate between dimensions and it may not necessarily just be that you can kind of like ride the waves and travel through these networks but maybe there's also a form of being able to communicate through these networks just the same yeah the spiritual mycelium network <laughs> It's a better name for it. The mice. I got, you got to incorporate wormhole, mycelium, and spiritual all into the same all into the same name and make it sound good. <laughs> we'll have to work on that one. <laughs> it's workshopping. It, it, it's in the works. It, it's out there. It's in the ether. So as long as it's out there, somebody will uh, workshop the name and come up with something better and expand on their theories potentially because of it. <laughs> oh, there you go. 
So I guess this will bring us to my last creepy story, and then I'll have to let you go to take my doggies out. But this ties it all back together to the beginning of me having dreams of being in the desert. Because lo and behold, I'm in Arizona now. So what do you do when you're in Arizona? You go to Tombstone. And I've had two very strange experiences there. Uh, the first one, it was in the same location both times, but the first one, we were going through the old birdcage theater that used to be like a whorehouse and gambling house and all that fun stuff. And as we were going through, I got kind of lightheaded and I have issues where I just kind of pass out randomly sometimes. So I thought maybe that was happening and I, I, I think I just got a drink and kind of blew it off. Didn't really think anything of it. And, uh, it, it lingered for quite a while, which usually doesn't happen if I'm having one of my fainting issues. So it was a little strange, but, you know, we we left and it, it cleared up and we walked back down the same side of the street we came in on. And that was it for that day. We went back a couple months later with some friends of the family and we did the same thing. We went into the birdcage theater, did the little tour thing, explored again. The whole time we were in there, I felt okay. The second that we walked out the door, I started feeling that lightheadedness again. Tried to blow it off. This time we walked across the street to the shop that was directly across from the birdcage. And we're walking around in there, looking around. And it felt like I was on the verge of passing out where your consciousness starts slipping away. But usually when that would happen, that's when my vision would start going black. And that's when I know I need to sit down before I hit my head. Well, that feeling was there, but I wasn't blacking out. So I kind of just stood still and tried to breathe for a second. And then I got extremely disoriented and I looked around and nothing I was seeing made sense. The clothing on the racks was weird. The people in the store were weird. This woman came up to me and goes, are you okay? And I look at her and I'm like, I know I should know who you are, but I don't. And I'm thinking that to myself. And I just blankly stare at her and nod and kind of like put my hand up like I need a second, turn around, sit down, put my my head in my hands and start doing some breathing meditations and trying to come back down. And it, it felt like something else was looking through my eyes. It felt like my consciousness wasn't fully in my body anymore. And as I fully came back to... I realized that person that was asking me if I was okay was my mom. Was your mom there with you? And when you came to, yeah. she was the one in front of you talking? Yeah, that I, I, she was there with us the whole time. And when I was having that experience, she asked me if I was okay. And I knew I should recognize her, but I didn't. And then I realized that it was her. It was my mom. And that's why I felt like I should recognize her because it was my mom. <laughs> So I don't know if that was like a near possession or if I was in the area that I was dreaming of and it just 
like totally distorted me because it was different. It, I I don't know. It was it was all sorts of weird. And how how long ago was this by chance? Uh, probably about five years ago. Have you uh, had any other weird, like uh, almost like slipping out of consciousness experiences uh, since then, or anything even like remotely close to it? I mean, I I passed out on mushrooms, which is supposedly not a normal thing to do. But other than that, no. Hmm. See, I was curious if it's uh, just like a matter of almost kind of being one of those people that's like kind of able to transcend or kind of in between two realities where, you know, like maybe you just kind of have your foot in one sometimes more than the other, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. Definitely. And I've always been drawn to, you know, the, the liminal spaces and the weird theories about those. So maybe it's because my soul's like, you're kind of liminal. It, you're digging away at something like it knows that something's there and it's a matter of like just picking away at it until you find the right piece of information to really kind of like bring an understanding of it at least to yourself yep it's it's obviously been a lifelong process of figuring out what exactly is happening in this life <laughs> and unfortunately it's one of those things that all we can do is theorize until you actually see the other side then after that you can't really bring the answers back and uh, when you have near-death experiences like you did yourself it just kind of shows that again like something's there and it's just something that we're not supposed to I feel like understand at least in this reality that we're in now otherwise when people had these experiences they would be able to bring back those weird pieces of information because it seems like people remember the majority of their near-death experience but there's always this like piece of information that's almost like life changing. And that's like the piece that you can't comprehend or bring back with you. Yep. Yeah. It definitely felt like there was things that just didn't translate. Like they're almost like beyond language. <laughs> and again, it's kind of like it's a hard yeah. thing to explain yep, exactly. unless you've been in that psychedelic realm, but all these near death experiences are very, close to psychedelic experiences oh extremely yeah that's for sure i almost feel like they're all kind of elevating the frequency to see the same place or thinning the veil to be able to kind of see within the same realm or the same place yep it's it's a trip that's for sure <laughs> so uh i guess with that kind of starting to get to the end of the show um i always like to do words of wisdom of course uh, so if there's any words of wisdom that now being on the other side, uh, previously being a listener, but now being the guest on the show, uh, what words of wisdom would you like to bestow on some of the other listeners? Um, you know, just question everything, not only, you know, the, the people and the things and the policies that you don't like, but also question the people that you do like and question yourself. Like you might be wrong about some things and I just feel like having an open mind and being willing to question is the best way to grow and learn and do better. Exactly. Be open-minded, but be a healthy skeptic at the same time. It's kind of, I feel the good realm to be in where just like most things, it's like, you don't want to be extreme of any side. The best place to be for most things is honestly right in the middle. Yep. The middle path is the Buddhist say. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yep. Exactly. 
And uh, if anybody was trying to find you, trying to contact you for any means, um, possibly even sh- shedding some more light onto your story or potential things that have happened to them that may also relate to you, uh, where could people potentially come and find you and uh, contact you? So I am on all of Shane's stuff. I'm on his Facebook page. I'm in his Telegram group and I'm in his Discord. So you can always find me as Lily Ann on any of those. Or if you want to contact me directly, the best way would be through Facebook. And you can find me at Desert Lily Horses. And that's spelled Lily, L-I-L-Y. So Desert Lily Horses. And that's my business page, but I'll respond to messages on there. It's uh, been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. And like you said, you do bounce into all of my pages. So it's an honor to have you listen to the show in the first place and even even better to actually sit down and get to have this conversation with you. So thank you for coming on. And also thank you for sharing your story as far as I know some of those parts that you got into uh, talking about your near-death experience uh, were I'm assumably hard for you to talk about. But I appreciate you taking the time to share your story, being honest with your story, and uh, kind of shedding some more light on it. Because as far as like the near-death experiences go, it's a hard thing to share, but I feel like it's very needed information for a lot of people, and I think it'll resonate and help a lot of people who have had very similar experiences that may not have been able to kind of come into grips or really understand it themselves. So, again, thank you. Yeah, I, I hope it does help somebody and... You know, if anybody needs to talk about any struggles or anything, they can always feel free to, re- you know, reach out to me. But yeah, thank you for having me on and letting me tell my whole story. Because, like I said, this is the first time I got to actually sit down and tell the whole thing. So it was awesome. Thanks. If you guys enjoyed the show, don't forget to leave that five-star rating or review. Uh, If you guys want to get a hold of me for any reason whatsoever, uh, you guys can email me at inquiriesofourrealitypodcast at outlook.com. You guys can also go to the link tree and fill out the submission form. Or you guys can message me on Instagram, which I mentioned I'm the most active on. Um, Every link that I mentioned, all available under the link tree which is L-A-N-K-T-R period E-E slash Inquiries of Our Reality Podcast. Or make it a little bit easier for yourself and go down to the bottom in the show description and just click the link and follow the trail to whatever you happen to be looking for. And with that, I hope you guys enjoy the conversation and I'll catch you on the next one. Have a good night, everybody. Bye.